welcome to Stonebridge Online. Just before we start the service, here are some announcements and things to know. During this time of worshiping online, it's important to continue contributing to the ongoing ministry of Stonebridge. Here are the ways in which you can give. You can give online through our website at stonebridgecme.com. Click on online giving. You can give through your bank's bill pay option, or you can give by mail. If you'd like business reply offering envelopes sent to you, please contact the church office. Introducing Indoor Worship Watch Parties. Starting Saturday, November 7th, join us for watching our online worship service inside the sanctuary on Saturday nights. Spaces will be limited and registration is required. Please check your newsletter for the link to register. On Sunday, November 8th, we will have our first outdoor worship service at 10.30 a.m. This particular Sunday will be Pastor Neil's last service with Stonebridge. If you would like to give Pastor Neil a farewell card or gift, you can drop it off in the basket that will be available, or you can mail one to the church office. Calling all young adults between the ages of 18 and 25. Starting in November, there will be virtual meetings for connecting and Bible study. If you or someone you know is interested, please check the weekly newsletter to fill out the form or to contact Olivia directly. And lastly, we would love to know that you're participating in worship. Continue to share your news, prayers, and praises by emailing prayers at stonebridgecme.com. Or if you're following along in version, please take the time to fill out the e-connection card. You are an important part of Stonebridge's community of faith. Once again, welcome to worship. Hello, and welcome to Stonebridge's online worship. I'm Associate Pastor Jonathan Lucia. When we think of all the issues dividing our nation today, especially as we approach the election, taxes may be at the top of the list. Did you know that nearly 2,000 years ago, Jesus was asked about taxes, but he didn't take a position. Instead, he said something that is enigmatic and famous to this day. This week in worship, Pastor Neil will reflect on what Jesus said, and I bet you'll be surprised by what you'll learn. Again, welcome to worship. These are challenging times. The division and frustration are palpable. The balance is constantly shifting. The lines consistently blurred. Truths, half-truths, lies, mixed messages, confusing headlines. All in the middle of a nation whose back has been broken. Hope is drowned out by fear. Peace is muted by chaos. Dreams are crushed by reality. Finding God in the midst of this moment is difficult. As the election draws closer, countless voices will try to sway you one way or the other. Yet your responsibility is simple. Pray earnestly. Seek God passionately. Listen carefully and vote how he leads you. God is sovereign. He always has been. He is faithful. He always will be. And nothing 
absolutely nothing happens outside of his providence. This is where we find peace in this moment.
This week's scripture comes from Mark chapter 12, verses 13 through 17. Later, they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were amazed by him. This is God's word to us this week. Amen. Hello, Stonebridge. Can you believe that it's almost November 3rd? Election day. It's just around the corner. And in the past, I have been in churches where sanctuaries were decorated in red, white, and blue, and people were out uh, handing out on the patio uh, pamphlets that Christian organizations put out that said, vote for these people and these uh, ballot measures. And there are certainly going to be rousing messages preached this weekend, I am sure, all across the country. And Jesus was no stranger to rousing messages. Uh, he started one by overthrowing tables uh, in the temple area. And another one, he cast demons out of a man, and the demons went into a flock of uh, a herd of pigs, and they ran off a cliff into the Sea of Galilee. And at times he shouted, Scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, you are like whitewashed tombs, shiny and clean on the outside, but full of dead men's bones on the inside. So he was able to preach rousing, uh, energetic sermons when he wanted to. But on a day when he was given an amazing opportunity to speak about Roman occupation, uh, he was surprisingly quiet. When current events and controversial issues of the day were presented to him, Jesus took the opportunity to invite his followers to search their hearts. But believe me when I say that in our text today, Jesus was handed an explosive current issue and asked to speak about it, leading up to elections we've been talking in this nation about huge issues. And among those pressing issues, the topic of taxes invariably comes up. And if taxes are often at the forefront of debate in our country, as they are now, they really were in Israel in Jesus's day. So you remember, all the way back to the beginning of the Gospels, it says a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census would be taken and the entire earth taxed. Well, uh, that tax continued. It was pretty popular among the Romans, not so much among the Israelites. And so um, that was continuing to be a debate even up until 33 AD when Jesus had already gone into Jerusalem riding on the back of a donkey. And uh, it was a strongly fought debate, a social issue of their day with strong opposing positions. And there were Jewish people on both sides of the issue. So there was nothing innocent about 
the religious leaders who went to Jesus and innocently asked him, is it right to pay, to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? They actually intended to push Jesus into a corner. Whatever he says will divide the people who support him. Whatever his answer is, he loses. If Jesus says it's lawful to pay the tax, he would have been seen as a collaborator with the Roman occupiers and would alienate people who had just back on Palm Sunday proclaimed him king. And if Jesus says tribute is illegitimate, if you shouldn't pay taxes to Caesar, well, he risks being branded a political criminal and incurring the wrath of Rome. And when I say the wrath of Rome, I don't mean he gets a citation or a parking ticket. Not too many years later, there was a tax revolt. It was led by a fellow named Judas the Galilean, and he was branded a political criminal, and the Romans crucified two of his three sons. So these questioners weren't messing around, but neither was Jesus. He responds this way, bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, whose, in, whose image is this and whose inscription? Image and inscription. Both of these are important. First, uh, here's the image and the inscription. This is a Tiberius Caesar denarius. In Jesus's day, it was roughly worth a day's wage of a common laborer. On the front is stamped the face or the image of Tiberius Caesar. And on the back is an inscription that you can partially see on this coin. And that inscription is an abbreviation of a phrase. Um, so you know how our money has the phrase e pluribus unum, which means out of many, one. Well, the phrase on the Tiberius denarius means Tiberius Caesar, worshipful son of the god Augustus. So the front of the coin is a stamped image of the Roman Caesar who claimed to be a god. And on the back is an inscription that says he is the son of the god Augustus, the previous Caesar. And coins like this were all over uh, the Roman Empire. Uh, they are a perfect medium for indoctrinating all the peoples that Rome had conquered uh, about the deity of the emperor of Rome. And they, were, they went everywhere. They were common currency. They were handled by everyone. And the symbolism on them was visible in every home. So, why did Jesus draw attention to the coin with its image and inscription? Because... I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but he didn't need to look at a coin or get an answer to whose image or inscription it was uh, on the coin in order to answer their question, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? He could have said yes or no, but he didn't. Instead, he said, whose image is this and whose inscription? So we're going to look more closely at why Jesus asked about the image and the inscription. First, the image. I want you to imagine a teenager walks into their living room wearing workout clothes and running shoes, which happen to be a pair of Nike Air Zoom Pegasus, which is, I imagine, a popular shoe today. And the teenager flops down on the couch next to their parent, uh, who's reading. And the teenager reaches for the TV remote, and their parent says, aren't you going out for a run? 
And the teenager shrugs and says something about, well, it looks like it might rain. And their parent, without looking up, says, I wonder what Nike would say. And the teenager uh, huffs and drops the remote and goes out for a run. Why? What made him or her do that? We all know the answer. If you never owned a pair of Nikes or even a pair of running shoes, you still most likely know that Nike means just do it. When Jesus says, whose image is on the coin, everyone immediately knows what he's talking about. Among the people of Israel, the word image was like the word Nike to us. Uh, they would immediately have thought of what Jesus was thinking of, and it's this, the Ten Commandments. Image is found in the first two commandments, thou shalt have no other gods before me, and thou shalt not make any graven image. Graven means deeply impressed or firmly fixed or carved or even stamped like a stamped coin. Everyone remembered the story of the golden calf. They knew no graven images. And Jesus is holding a coin that is stamped with the image of Tiberius Caesar, who claims to be a god. Jesus didn't even have to say, I wonder what the Ten Commandments would say. Everybody already knew. Second, the inscription. So, this uh, picture is of an inscription that shows the first two words of the most sacred prayer in Israel. It's called the Shema. To Jews, the Shema is like the Pledge of Allegiance uh, might be to Americans. If I asked all of you right now, you could and would recite the Pledge of Allegiance with me. And not only that, you might stand up and put your hand over your heart. The Shema has that kind of reverence and familiarity uh, in, uh, for Jews. They know how to say it and what to do. So let me show you where this picture comes from, and it'll give you a sense of how important the Shema is to the nation of Israel today and back then. It represented the foundation of the entire government and nation of Israel. So this is a picture of the Knesset building in Israel. This is the home uh, of the Israeli parliament, the counterpart to our U.S. Congress. Now let's pull back and go across the street, and in the background there you can see the Knesset building, and in the foreground is a park with a large menorah called the Knesset Menorah, and it's facing the building. So now let's look at the front of this menorah. All across the top it has elaborate designs representing important elements of the nation of Israel. And can you see a circle right above the base of the menorah? So everything else in the menorah is resting on that circle. It is the significance of the faith of the nation. All of it rests on that one circle. And you've already seen the circle. It's this one. This is the circle with the first words of the Shema prayer. Wow, it, it's important. Are you ready to hear the prayer? I'll tell you this, we already are very familiar with the second part of the prayer. We've said it many times. 
And the whole prayer comes right out of Deuteronomy 6. It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So, as I say, we're pretty familiar with that second part. But in the day, and even today, the people uh, there in Jesus' day were extremely familiar with the first part. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. One God. That's at the very core of Israel's faith. And Jesus draws attention to the two holiest references in Judaism, the Ten Commandments and the Shema. Thou shalt have no graven images, and the Lord our God is one. So he takes that coin, that denarius, from his questioners, and he holds it up, and he turns it over, and uh, now perhaps we have a little more clarity about how the listeners around him, everybody who's listening, how, he heard, how they heard his question. Whose image is this? Caesar's. You mean that fellow who claims to be a god? That man's image? Might we call it, oh, I don't know, a graven image? And what's the inscription? Well, basically, Tiberius is Lord. So Jesus doesn't even have to say just how anti-God and heretical and anti-our Jewish faith the Roman government is. And it's all represented on this coin that you guys have handed me. He then says something like this, how about we do this? Let's give the Romans what is appropriately theirs, which may be taxes, even obedience. But let's hold back on offering them anything of ours that rightfully belongs to God. So that brings for me three questions that we can ask. What of ours, number one, what of ours belongs to God? A lot of things come to mind. For instance, our allegiance, our values, and our time belong to God. And Micah 6.8 is a famous passage of scripture for the way it sheds light on what belongs to God. It says, what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Well, that's helpful. So to our allegiance and values and time, we can add, we owe God justice, mercy, and humility. Is there anything else? Let's go back to our story for a minute. And the words image and inscription. This coin belongs to Caesar because it was created in his image. So whose image are we created in? God created humanity in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Coming from Genesis. So we can add ourselves to our list of what belongs to God. We owe God ourselves because we were created in God's image. Is there more we can learn from image? Yes. In the New Testament, we read the Son of which is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. God is, in, is invisible, but human beings can see what the invisible God is like by looking at Jesus. In particular, how he treated others, which we can call presence, Jesus' presence, and what he stood for, which we recognize is character. So like Jesus, we owe God our presence and character that demonstrate what God is like. So far, we owe God a lot, but we aren't finished. Let's look at the word inscription. In addition to referencing the Shema, 
Jesus was also calling to mind the greatest inscription in all of history, the Ten Commandments, which were inscribed on two stone tablets. So listen to the way the New Testament takes that understanding and shifts that Old, uh, that Old Testament foundation just a little bit. It says, And you show that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human heart. The Spirit of the living God is to be inscribed on our hearts so that we might be living love letters from Jesus to other human beings. So we owe God our hearts. What belongs to God? Our allegiance, our values, our time, justice, mercy, humility, ourselves created in God's image, our presence and character that demonstrates what God is like, and our hearts that communicate his love. That's a lot. <laughs> so then let's go on to question two. What doesn't belong to Caesar? All of the above. As believers in Christ, we don't owe anyone any of those things. Now, let's be quick to say America is not Rome. The president is not Caesar. Every metaphor eventually breaks down. As Americans, as citizens, and even as residents, we can and should pledge allegiance to the flag. We can and should take part in our nation, including voting next week and encouraging others to vote. And as we exercise our rights and express our freedom as Americans, let us be careful not to give to others what belongs to God. Let's go back one more time to this interaction Jesus was having and see that he never gave an answer to the question about taxes. When we think of the issues dividing our nation, and there are many, none today are any more divisive than paying taxes to Caesar was back then. And Jesus didn't answer. He didn't take a position. Instead, he made a clear statement that is famous to this day. Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. His point was, keep these two things separate. Don't mistake one for the other, and don't mix the two together. Now, can we just agree that Jesus wouldn't have said, don't get these two things mixed up, if it wasn't possible to mix them up? It is possible to mix up being a Christian and being a citizen or to mix them together. Jesus's point was that we need to be careful not to do that. And I recognize that may seem challenging to some of us. For some of us, our faith and our patriotism go hand in hand. They're inseparable. And for a long time, we've thought that's a good thing. And I suppose when faith and government stand for the same thing, they can go hand in hand. As when a nation rights wrongs and overcomes inequality and unfairness, when a country is one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. But even when government and faith share values, they are not synonymous. They are not the same thing. I'll give you an example. Citizens join the military. They train in the use of deadly force and they stand ready to use any force necessary to protect our nation. We honor those individuals. We call them heroes, and they are, including Christians 
who are citizens in the military. But when people train in the use of deadly force and stand ready to use that force, just because they are Christians, we don't honor them. In fact, if they take action, we put those people in prison. There are things we do and don't do as citizens and things we do and don't do as Christians. But these two are not necessarily the same thing. And that brings us to our final question. Have we mixed up what belongs to God and to Caesar? And I mean in our own lives, sometime in the past or maybe today. Have we mixed up what belongs to God and to Caesar? There are times in history when Christians have mixed up the two. There's a long list of things we owe God. And have we ever offered some of those things to others instead of God? Or have we failed to offer them to God? For example, have our behaviors and beliefs and attitudes or actions kept us from being the love letter from God we are meant to be? Does our presence and character demonstrate the nature of our invisible God? Have we inscribed God's word on our hearts? So I finish up with this. May the impression others experience from us be the image of the living God. May the stamp of Jesus' image be recognizable in our actions and attitudes. And may the inscription, love God, love others, be written on our hearts and in our minds and demonstrated for all to see. Amen.
Our benediction today comes from Romans chapter 15. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, this week, as we engage with our neighbors near and far, let us be reminded of the example of Christ to be loving, humble, merciful, patient, and gracious. May we be granted the compassion and wisdom to see one another as image bearers of God. Amen. Mm-hmm.